Welcome to the show where three friends rate, debate, and investigate the films you'll love to see and hate to see. This is You'll Love to See It. Welcome to another episode of You Love to See It. I'm joined here today with my two friends, Caleb Rudman. Hello. And Eric Zhu. Hello. Uh, I do want to say, Caleb, you missed uh, during audio test where I uh, accidentally called you or referred to you as Caleb Zhu. So, um... That's one of the nicest things I've ever heard. <laughs> I think I know a Caleb Zhu. Yeah, really? I don't know. Somewhere out there. Interesting. All right, well, for today's episode, we're doing something, I guess it's not that unpredictable. It's revelatory. Un- revelatory. <laughs> Expect um, the unexpected, rather, that's what I always say. Rather than doing one uh, movie, we actually felt as though we wanted to do two movies this week, uh, mainly because we weren't wow. sure if we could get a full 60-minute discussion out of one of them. But uh, we... Busted. Now We are, uh, this week, we're doing uh, a very new film. Uh, that just released on Netflix maybe two weeks ago. It's been longer? Two weeks, yeah. Two yeah. Weeks. Uh, Dick Johnson is dead. And then we're doing an older we're film. Doing, uh, Devil All the Time. No, we are not. <laughs> <laughs> You're at the wrong podcast. Should um, be Halloween? No? Maybe next week we should. Keeping up with the uh, spooky October spooky vibes. Season. Even though Dick Johnson is dead is not very spooky. Maybe existentially. Spe- I was a little spooked. Um, and then the second movie is uh, Don't Look Now. Uh, a movie by Nicholas Rogue, uh, yes. made in 1978, is my guess. 78 or is it 74? Welcome to the podcast where we guess. 73, oh, I was no. close, you know, give or take. He was in, still in the same decade, so that's good. So those are our two movies today. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so those are what we will be discussing. Um, no intro question this week. Um, although I was shamed for not having one, but you know, we want to get into the guts of both of these movies, oh keeping with the spooky vibes, uh, as quick as possible. So we're going to start with, uh, Dick Johnson is let's dead. Get, let's stab right to the heart of both of these movies. <laughs> uh, we're going to start with Dick Johnson is dead, um, which we watched first, maybe I think at this point a week and a half ago. So it's had some time to simmer. Um, and yeah, uh, Eric, would you like to give just a brief kind of rundown of what the movie's about? Yeah, the movie is directed by Kirsten Johnson, who was once um, a cinematographer for documentaries such as Citizen Four um, and for other famous documentarians such as Michael Moore, who has now transitioned to directing. And this is her second um directorial film after her 2016 camera person and this film is very much so about um her father who has um just been diagnosed with alzheimer's and is nearing the end of his life and dick johnson is dead um which won i'm forgetting which award at sundance this year is this ode to her father um The premise of the story is that she is making this film in which, to put it bluntly, she kills her father 
time and time again. And after each of these killings, he comes back to life. And this is a movie that's very much so about honoring the memory of um, Dick Johnson. It's about exploring very deeply and very earnestly what it means to grieve and what it's like to grieve and to like anticipate grieving and like the grieving that comes with that. And I think it's also very much so a movie about what the magic of movie making and what movie making can do for relationships, both in front of the camera and behind the camera. Yeah, going off that, um, you know, when you talk about what it meant to make the movie, the word that comes to my mind is just therapeutic. In some ways, this movie was probably like a very therapeutic uh the word is escaping my mind, but it was it was it was a form of like self therapy, kind of writing and directing this movie and everything like that. And yeah, I'm I'm interested to see uh, what Caleb thinks about this movie. But overall, I guess I guess we'll start by talking about. Um, I I did not, so I was a little thrown off, not even thrown off, but I I didn't expect the movie. I I went in not knowing anything about uh, uh, what the film would be, so I I did not anticipate being as much of a documentary or. Um, I expect there to be a lot more killing of uh, Dick Johnson, which I think there was only like what, like maybe f- three or four. There have got to be like really, there are, there are at least five, right? Yeah, are... that's higher. And either way, that's that's a lot of times that, that to is, kill your dad. That is a lot of times to die. Um, but I, I guess I imagined it being more like fictionalized or something like that, where it wasn't. Which I'm, I'm not saying made me dislike the movie, but um, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I don't know where to start. I guess um, starting with the fact uh, of something that I'm curious how you guys felt uh, resonated with you, which was the scenes where there weren't death, but instead were the um, the scenes that were supposed to be like in heaven, um, where there's like him, you know, he has, he's got like this party around him. People are wearing these huge masks of people he knew, his wife. Um, I even think of like younger him, right? Like there was the whole dancing scene um, between him and his wife where they're wearing, you know, it's, it's the young them. And there's just like this huge, huge, like just party and like celebration. And even like Jesus makes an appearance at some point. Uh, it's uh, really, uh, I feel like, a different, very, like, 180 uh, turnaround from the death that you then see or, like, the deaths you see throughout the movie. Um, did you guys enjoy that part of it I, or did it not work as well for you? Definitely wasn't my favorite part, um, but I think it goes back to uh, what Eric was saying about the power and magic of movie making and how it can transform an idea. It can transform something as you know negatively connoted as death into something beautiful and and remarkable, and it just make a it makes a spectacle out of death, which is nothing. Um, and so that I think that's that's where the the power of those scenes lie, in kind of the the idea of creating something remarkable from nothing, in a literal uh, visual sense. You know, I, 
they I thought that they were nice. I'm I'm glad there wasn't more <laughs> of it. Um, I think I actually expected there to be a lot more of that, and I'm glad that it was uh, pretty contained. And yeah, I think it works better on a or it works best on the on a more meta textual level. Um, but there were definitely you know a few nice moments like the dancing. Um, especially it was nice the feet I really yeah, was yeah that was a good scene um, I yeah will. and it, it complemented the the rest of the film so can't complain yeah I feel like the heaven scenes really emphasize like the idea that this movie and this project is this exercise not this exercise it's this experience for the both of them but that the focus is still mostly on like Dick Johnson like through these through at least the heaven scenes we very clearly get to see his dreams, his fears, his, like, essentially, like, his dying wishes, like, in in a sense, like, come to life in a way that also is so fully immersed in the experience of, like, the knowledge that he is not only about to die, but he is also about to lose his memory while, yeah, like, making light of the situation. It's, like, a coping mechanism, coping, like, bonding experience for both of them yeah and you know we're talking about it being a coping mechanism for both of them um and maybe i maybe it's just the way i saw this movie and i I don't mean this as an insult in any way but i almost see it as a little bit more selfish in her nature like i definitely see it more of the coping for her rather than him um and I, i rather than you know i I don't want to get into right right away like what are good and bad things with this movie, but one thing that I have to say really turned me off was especially towards the latter half of the movie. Um, I, the one scene in particular I'm thinking of is the blood scene where she's having to remind him that it is fake blood, that they're not taking his blood, and he's like visually uncomfortable, um, having to be reassured. I I I get this this feeling watching it that I shouldn't be watching it. I have a feeling throughout. Kind of more when it gets, you know, his Alzheimer's setting in more and he he's beginning to, I think, fade a little bit more. I feel uncomfortable because I feel like I'm peeping into a door, uh, into a room that shouldn't be open for me. And I have to question a little bit and I, you know, I, I don't mean it as an insult, but I have to question a little bit the idea of using someone who is maybe not 100% there using them for this. Uh, kind of this this purpose and and the movie, um, I, especially just like scenes like that made me kind of just a little uncomfortable because I, I I you know I, I'm not trying to say she was taking advantage of her father at all, but I, I, there's almost this question of like you know he's he's at this time in his life and going through something that is very very difficult and he's not going to understand a lot, and I question maybe I, I almost felt uncomfortable in certain places viewing it. Yeah, I think that's something that she very clearly has a really hard time grappling with throughout the entire movie. And I think after that scene, that's like partially where all the death scenes end. She, I think, I think that those scenes serve a purpose of like, I think one thing that strikes me about Kirsten Johnson is that she's incredibly personal with her subjects, like in this case, her father. And you can feel how empathetic she is and how serious she is. But she also has this very clear sense of what it means to be behind the camera. You see it in um, 
you see it in her documentary Camera Person from 2016, which was my favorite documentary of the 2010s, um, where she's, um, there's like a, there's like one small vignette that she includes that's like incredibly striking where she is in a remote village and she sees a child like pick up an axe and start like throwing it around and you can like hear her like, you can hear her like, like, oh, like, oh no. But she at the same time, like is still recording and that entire movie, her fingerprints are all over every single frame. And it's about how real life can be manipulated just and how how fictionalized documentaries actually are. And I feel like that same sort of sense of responsibility is in this movie as well. Obviously, um, at the beginning, when Dick Johnson has this, is more lucid, um, he can clearly give consent. And near the end, near, throughout, the, throughout the entire movie, that line definitely gets blurred a bit. Um, and I think that the bloodletting not the bloodletting scene, the scene where the blood comes out is intentionally uncomfortable, but I think the movie does that in order to, like, I think the movie reckons with it in a way that that didn't, like, at all disqualify the rest, everything else that was going on in how honestly they were talking about death and grief and what it like feels like to like lose your memory i don't know i i i definitely i i know what you're talking about i i personally i personally didn't have as big of an issue with it because of the implicit like reckoning that johnson was having and i felt like she handled that aspect of it very delicately and very very well yeah it's an it's an interesting issue to grapple with uh and i'm more with eric here i i didn't find myself overly concerned um with what you struggled with zach but it it, it is very interesting because i guess i'll talk about briefly one of my least favorite films of all time (laughs) uh stories we tell which is a documentary with some fictional uh aspects in it as well and uh, i won't go too deep into it but uh in it uh director sarah polly creates she she creates this documentary about her mother who is dead uh so so who obviously can't consent uh or or have a say in in the production of the film and in my opinion, uh, she completely, you know, destroys her mother's legacy. And I'm not going to get too much into it, but it, it really, for for similar reasons to I think what you what you're talking about, Zach, uh, that movie really bothered me, and I just I find I found myself despising it because of the complete disrespect to the subject in question. So why didn't this one bother me as much? Um, I mean, for starters, it helps that Dick Johnson, despite the title, <laughs> is, is alive. Very much so. Um, and at the beginning, I mean, it, I don't, I, I don't have enough information to make a, a solid claim, but it seems to me that that he he you know consents and is enthusiastic about this undertaking. 
But the biggest thing probably is that I think it's clear to me, at least, that Johnson cares uh, without exception so much about her father and taking care of him in the production of the movie, making sure everything's okay for him in the making. And she also cares about his legacy and how he's going to be represented in this movie while still remaining honest. And... You know, as much as, again, like you said, Zach, this might be more of an exercise for her, uh, a way for her to uh, experience some catharsis, uh, some, you know, escape from, from the impending doom uh, of her father's situation. Uh, as much as that may inform the film, you know, she doesn't, she never loses sight of him. I don't think she ever puts him in the backseat or ever places any any movie any cinematic idea uh you know any anything selfish before him and i guess that's why uh you know that concern didn't didn't affect me i personally also i think like what i think is just genius about this movie is that this is a movie, like, as Dick Johnson and Kirsten are making this movie, they're so immersed in death. Like, he is literally dying, but in the elements of movie-making magic, like, whether it's the, um, like, getting stunt doubles, or, like, immersing themselves in, like, yeah, how, like, a specific air conditioner is gonna fall from a building and kill him, (laughs) they're actually, like, while they're immersed in death, they're fully escaping from they're fully escaping from death. And I think that's part of the magic of it. And that, like, as much as this is catharsis for Johnson, this is also, I think, something like something like a catharsis for Dick Johnson as well. In that, just in the simple fact that he gets to spend time with her. Like, he gets to spend really, like, it's not just quality time, but it's, like, deep quality time to be completely honest with each other and be vulnerable with each other. And, like, I think one of the most heartbreaking things about the movie is that as Dick Johnson is, like, has his Alzheimer's getting more and more severe, like, one of his biggest worries is that, like, he's, like, becoming a burden, that he is, like, this weight that Christian Johnson, like, has to carry. And I think, like, while he's making this movie, like, that's also something that personally, like, when I was watching the movie, that he doesn't worry about. Like, when they're making that movie, the focus is solely on the two of them and their relationship. And first and foremost, on Dick Johnson, on his hopes, his dreams, his desires, his legacy, his impact. It's, like, fully, like, a celebration of his life and, like, the people that he's touched. No, I I 100% do agree with that. And I think um, it does paint him a very amazing uh portrait i i I think kirsten kirsten johnson um is in no way trying to take advantage of her father i think she uh does an amazing job i have uh i'm gonna have several gripes gripes is that the word for not just this film but the next as well um maybe i (laughs) I, I, it's just that podcast for me but i this film i did i did not like the second half of this film and i will tell you why um, it started with that blood scene. I just felt a little discomfort. And then it got worse. I felt more discomfort w- for Dick Johnson during the uh, 
the fictionalized, uh, I guess, reimagination of when he got stuck in the house without her during Halloween and they redid it and he, like, you know, is in this, like, set and he's, you know, he's opening doors and can't find her. I think that, to me, felt a little bit more, like, uncomfortable than even the blood scene. And then this isn't has nothing to do with uh, affecting Dick Johnson, but I was deeply and I and I and I, I I can I don't know this this one was very hard for me to understand. I was deeply uncomfortable by the funeral scene, very deeply uncomfortable. And let me say why. I think it's a beautiful moment in 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 some idea, but I think watching people, especially his best friend, literally break down like that was real emotion. Like his f- best friend was breaking down as he was reading the speech that he was going to read at his best friend's uh funeral, at Dick Johnson's funeral. And then like you see Dick Johnson come out and people are celebrating and and he's in the corner like still crying and really drunk kind of go through this emotion and maybe you could say that is in some way uh there is it's like a therapeutic way for him to uh understand that you know you know oh look you know dick johnson's still alive you know like hey you can kind of you know go through some of the emotion now so it's not as hard later but i was deeply uncomfortable with that scene because of the idea of like using i thought it was a little manipulative of people's real emotions and uh, of course, they all knew he was alive, so in the end, it's not a real, I think, manipulatory, but um, I don't know. It just seemed a little too real. Like, it just seemed like I, – I just felt like I was invading on someone's real privacy, and that that moment, especially for the man, which his name I, I, I can't remember, I, I don't know. It just felt – it was very discomforting to me, and that's – that, to me, the first half of the film had was great. Um but for me, it just kept getting a little bit more and more uncomfortable. And that's just my personal belief. And I just, I think that the thing that stuck with me most was that funeral scene. Um, and I'm just curious, you know, what you guys thought. And, I, and I'm not expecting you, I'm not going to yeah, fault you for disagreeing with me at all. I just, for some, I don't know. It, it felt very, I don't know. I, I felt uncomfortable watching it is all I can say. Um. Yeah, I don't. Know. I I found the funeral scene to be uh, very powerful. Um, talked about you know if you felt like you were invading, um, you know the, this real moment that you know you shouldn't have been there for that shouldn't really exist that was so emotionally uh, taxing because. You know, you felt like you were just watching somebody live through somebody's death. That didn't actually happen. And so, and so yeah, there's a manipulation. But uh, that's probably also one of the, if you're into it, the the perks of docufiction. Um, which I, I'll probably let Eric talk about more because he's more uh, read on, on docufiction than I am. Um but ultimately, I think the funeral scene was probably meant to be uncomfortable. The idea of watching your own funeral is an uncomfortable idea. Uh, of seeing people react to your life to, to get this vision of, you know, sadness, 
maybe celebration that you shouldn't be allowed to see because you should be dead. You know, that is contradictory. That is paradoxical. And that, you know, we str- we I think we should struggle to accept that easily. Um, but ultimately, it worked for me because of what you said, Zach, in two words, real emotion. And that's what got me. That's what uh, came over everything. And maybe I would, maybe I would, maybe I do have the same concerns as you, but the emotion just wiped it away. And now I'm trying to, you know, intellectualize my positive reaction because the emotions were so strong. Like that's, that's very possible for me, but yeah, I, I didn't struggle with these more, uh, logistical concerns because I was so, so invested in, in, in Dick Johnson's journey, I think, and just hugely affected by, uh, you know, his walking towards and his and both and his daughter's just embracing of death in, in a way I'd, I'd never seen before. Yeah, I think the funeral scene for me really is in itself a distillation of the entire movie. I think one thing that the the film and as like this um, literalization of Dick Johnson dying multiple times is this idea that as he's going through Alzheimer's, like he is like in between life and death. Like mm-hmm. there's a very clear difference between the first half and the second half between of like his like lucidity like he like the liveliness of dick johnson at the very beginning is a very different person from who he is at the end so this final funeral is both incredibly real and incredibly fake like fake in the sense that yes he is dead but it's incredibly real because that is literally like just the most potent way of expressing what this entire movie is about it's about like, not only dealing with, like, the actual moment of death, but it's about dealing with all the, like, little deaths that happen in the middle. And I thought, yeah, like, as Cable, I thought it was just, just, like, incredible, like, the most powerful thing I've seen this year. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know why I struggled with it so much. And um, I do, I will agree, it, it was very real emotion. And um, I'm, it's a, a tough scene. I'm a big it's a fan of... I'm a big fan of real motion in the, in the senses. I, I'm a big fan of documentaries. And, I mean, last week we watched, or I guess the last podcast was Nomadland. Not that I'm comparing the two at all. But I, I enjoy very, like, real people, real emotion, real stories, things like that. Um, at least I feel like I do. Maybe it's a more of a personal, just, uh, you know, relationship with the idea of death or, uh, you know, f- things like that that made me a little bit more uncomfortable with it. Um Maybe it was more of just like a, like, I don't want to be in this moment type of discomfort. Um, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it is something that makes me see the film and be like, this is a, oh, I hate this film. This is a terrible film. I just felt very uncomfortable. And and I can see that as being maybe part of the purpose of the, of the film. And also part of the purpose is to maybe just kind of open up this door, like you said, that you've done this paradoxical nature that you never get to see. You know, there's no funeral for someone who's alive, you know, theoretically speaking. Um, so, like, it, it is very interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I wasn't, like, critical of 
them seeing it, I was, it was I just felt really bad for, for instance, his best friend having to go through that. And, you know, maybe I don't know what his viewpoint is, um, yeah, obviously. And I don't know if he, you know, maybe that I think Dick Johnson is still alive. Um, he actually got to see this movie when it premiered at Sundance. Okay, yeah. So, um, as right uh, now, he Dick- is living in like a like a long term care facility okay. right now because of COVID. Yeah, and I'm not sure if uh, his best friend is 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 still alive, but um, yeah, I don't know. It was just a very raw scene for me, and I think maybe that drove me a little bit away because I was just like didn't want to grapple with the the rawness of it. Um, at the end of the day. Um, all right, we have a few minutes left before we give our final ratings. Is there anything good, anything bad, anything that stood out to you? You know, I feel like this, there's a lot of, I don't know, is there anything we didn't get to that you felt like you wanted to talk about before we kind of wrap up? No, I think my biggest gripe per se with the movie is just this idea of like cohesion between the first half and the second half that like all the like everything that has to do with Kirsten and her father making the movie and like all the heaven scenes are like fantastic on their own and I also really enjoy a lot of what happens when Dick Johnson moves in with Kirsten's family and we see like and like we see we see a lot of that stuff I, I wish there were more connective tissue between these these two concepts. Um but yeah, that's my main that's my main complaint. Yes. Similarly, uh I thought the the first act of this movie was absolutely incredible. Uh if it had sustained itself, sustained that quality throughout the whole film. Uh, I would have uh, proclaimed Dick Johnson is Dead as the best movie of the last three years. Um, but there there was a lull uh, in the middle. And yeah, the this, this second half just, just wasn't as good as the first half. I think we're, we're all in agreement there. But it got brought back up with the funeral scene for me. And then the ending was... Mm-hmm was perfect it was necessary it was yeah exactly what it should have been to to tie it all together her voiceover is phenomenal like i'm just gonna feel like her voiceover Mm -hmm. i agree with that incredible incredible all right well i guess i'll start then um i pretty much said my piece i think at the end of the day i really again enjoyed the first half of the film um i'm not trying you know i'm i'm trying not to weigh my emotion and my feeling i got during the second half i'm trying not to let that impact how i feel feel about the film but at the end of the day it's going to and um you know I, I don't know maybe it's just the moment in my life right now I think there's a lot to be said about this movie um I would be interested to see what someone older who has been you know through many years of their lives you know I'm, I'm still 20 years old um maybe it just doesn't impact me as much right now um and even though it impacted you guys, I would say more than me. Um, I don't. I don't know. I just think it'd be interesting to see what uh, what I would feel um, about this movie in say twenty years um, or so. 
uh, maybe we'll have to make in a, a schedule and come <laughs> back in 20 years together and watch the film. But I, I don't know. I the, the second half to me um, just felt a little invasive. Um, I think I just maybe couldn't really grapple with it. And um, I felt a little bit of discomfort in, in, in a handful of scenes. I was just not a fan of the funeral scene. And maybe one day I will be, but at this moment, um, I just it just didn't it just didn't work for me. Um, but I really did love the uh, the the scenes, the celebratory scenes of him in heaven, uh, and just kind of the beginning when he was a lot more lucid, uh, like Eric said, and uh, it seemed to be more of a coping for both of them. Um, overall, though, I did enjoy the movie. Um, I'm a big fan of documentaries in general. Um, I have not seen uh, Kirsten Johnson's other documentary. Um, I'd be interested to see it, uh, but overall, I would say Dick Johnson Dead is Dead is a three-star movie for me. Yeah, this was, to preface, one of my five most anticipated releases of the year, and one of the few that's actually going to come out, so I'm very <laughs> glad I got to see it. Um, yeah, I think it's rare to see a movie that's so direct and so... That it's that's just so direct and honest and authentic about a subject as difficult as as um, as death, and it's rare to see not only something so direct and honest, but also something that's so delicate, like a movie like this, so delicately handled. And I think the empathy and the love that Kirsten has for her father and her father has for her just shines through so well throughout this movie. And yeah, I mean. I, I love this movie. I gave it four stars. Um, Eric used the words direct and honest, and I agree with those. Uh, the word that, that I was left with was unrestrained. I've never seen any artistic example, um, any artistic creation that was so unrestrained in its exploration of death and I think that that's the most remarkable part of this, how it attacks death over and over and over again without pause. And that just absolutely <laughs> destroyed me, I think. Um, and so, yeah, like, like I mentioned before, any intellectual concerns I might have had were just wiped away by the, the vigor uh, with which this movie attacks death. And I was, I was particularly um, affected because it was very easy for me to imagine myself in Kirsten Johnson's position talking with either my mom or my dad um, and just... It was it was very easy for me to to imagine that one of my parents was was Dick Johnson and that I was you know watching them uh, struggle and yeah for 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 a movie to be able to connect with you on a level like that you know, is incredibly rare and. I think one of one of the reasons we we watch movies at all. So I gave uh, Dick Johnson is Dead four stars. All right. Well, switching gears pretty quickly here. 
Um, Zach, you were the lowest of us. This is the first time. Ooh. You know, actually, we were talking about this the other day. This is the I think this is the first time, and I can tell you, it's about to happen again. No spoilers. Wow. Um, we are gonna continue on this train of grief uh, for our first uh, October episode. And we're going to talk about Don't Look Now, a uh, Nicholas Rogue film. Um, and I will actually give the kind of rundown for this film uh, just to talk about. And maybe I'll get some things wrong and uh, the other two can interject. Uh, but I have a lot to say about this film. A <laughs> lot to say. Um, <laughs> maybe not in a positive light. And uh, this is really my first, I don't know if I want to say first horror film. I've seen horror films, but this is my first. And also... I wouldn't classify this is more as like a psychological thriller, film. maybe psychological thriller in some aspect. Even then, maybe the last scene is a little horrorish. Um, but even then, this is I think my first time dealing with a complex horror movie that wasn't just a slasher. So um, yeah, so don't look now. We already talked about a little bit made by Nicholas Rogue uh, in 1970. Rogue, Nicholas Rogue. I said his name right like eight times, and now I said it wrong. Nicholas Rogue in 1973. Uh, it stars Julie Christie uh, and Donald Sutherland, and uh, both play a couple, uh, John and Laura Baxter, who at the beginning of the film deal with the death of their daughter, uh, who drowns uh, in right outside their house. Are they living in America at that time? Where are they living? They're British. They're all they're British. British? Yeah, okay, they're I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't know where they were living, uh, but they weren't in Venice at the time. No. Right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, they were in England. You're right. Oh, I'm remembering things. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the movie kind of, you know, in the first five minutes deals with this kind of interestingly edited scene where the daughter is drowning and Donald Sutherland's character, John, like just realizes out of nowhere that she's drowning and goes out and finds that he's too late to save her. He has the gift. (laughs) He has the gift. Um, The movie then mainly takes place in Venice, um, where John uh, Baxter is working as, I guess, like a restaurant, like an art restoration. Yeah, restoring churches, things like that. Uh, Laura doesn't really have a job, I guess. She's just there with him. I, uh, yeah. Yeah, their kids are in school and yeah. they're both in Venice. Is it kid or kids? Sorry, they're kid. Kid, kid. Okay. I, I, guess I you I, could I, say kids. You could say kids. Um, but uh, yeah, their kid is in uh, England uh, doing school. And basically, the film is this adventure through Venice, not really an adventure, where um, Laura meets these uh, women very early on, one blind woman, uh, Heather. No. Is it Wendy or Heather? Those are the two women, and I don't remember which yes, one, one is One of the, them is blind. One of them is blind, and one of them is supposedly psychic. The blind um, one is the psychic yes. one. Yes. Yes. And sorry. That's Heather. Yeah, I'm doing a terrible yeah. job right now. Um, <laughs> this is why I don't usually give the rundown of the movies. And uh, basically, the psychic tells Laura that her daughter is still alive, or still uh, dead, but... It- <laughs> is dead but is in some way like trying to communicate with them from beyond and warn John Baxter to leave Venice because he's in danger Um, and then the rest of the film is just kind of like you know John trying to deal with his wife and then she leaves but he thinks he sees her uh, with the women and you know he, he gets the police involved at one point 
And in the background of the film, there are these murders that are happening kind of around Venice. A woman, women, I think. Is it just women or is it... I think it's just people. Like they pulled a woman, a woman out of the river. God, I'm doing a terrible job, guys. They're <laughs> laughing at me in the background. I don't know. Um, and then the end. Well, we'll get to the ending. But uh, is there anything I missed? Anything major that I missed? Um, it's adapted from, from a book, a book right? by Stephanie Du Maurier. Uh, is it a book or is it like a short? Is it a short story or is it like a book book? I don't remember. Um, it's a liter- this is a literary adaptation. I do Let's know that, that. Um, <laughs> I was reading about. A little bit about the book, and I do know that apparently it's a lot different. Not a lot, lot different, but for instance, um, the daughter doesn't drown. It's called A Long Story. It's a collection of five (laughs) long stories. (laughs) Excellent title. Um, God, where to start with this movie? Um, We won't start with the ending, um, although I feel like we will have a lot to say about that. Let's start with the opening. Yeah, let's no, I'm, no. You're right. Let's start with the opening. Um, it's very, it's a very a lot of a lot of edits. There's this this movie is full of, and I think it's very uh, exceptionally edited, um, and I feel like it adds so much to the film. I mean, I feel like if you're asking, ask me, it is the film. Um, oh. And I uh, yeah, but let's start with the opening. Um, it opens up, you know, the girl outdoor playing. You get a lot of this these quick edits of of what like what's the like what what happens at the beginning there's like a bunch of edits there's like a lot in, of right? um okay so what's happening is yeah you, you do it. you're better um, than me donald sutherland's john and laura are inside working in their like study and um their daughter christine is outside playing with um her brother and the opening of the film is this like cross-cutting like synchronistic um just like masterpiece of it's very well um, done. John, I agree. John realizing the um, that his daughter is about to die and running out and pulling his daughter's body out from the water, and she's dead. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 then uh, how, how do you know how much time has passed? Do they say how much time has passed between then and Venice? No. No, it, but it doesn't seem too long. It seems like because, maybe a year. It's the church that he's looking at in the that he's working on. Oh, so yeah. maybe not even a year. Yeah, plus his his son looks about the, the same. same age. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I, I did really like the opening. Definitely set the stage very well, and that excellent what I will call uh, masterful editing. Um, the this interwoven uh, kind of like just. I don't know how to, how to describe it, um, but it, it is it is great, and I, I really like it. And it stays true throughout the whole film. Um, this idea Call of things. It a synchronistic <laughs> editing style. Ooh. Uh, wow, fancy! And uh, yeah, it, it goes throughout the whole film, and it's very well done. And um, if this movie did not win an award for editing, I don't know what the voters were thinking. They voted for Shrek. As we were discussing before, <laughs> in the seventy seventy uh, seventy three. That's right. That's an old version. Um, yeah, I guess. Uh, I guess I'm gonna start in. Um, oh, Caleb, you you enjoyed the opening scene as well. I I, think. I did. It was it was masterful, masterful filmmaking in the um, opening scene. I guess where I want to start is including, talking about including the score too. Oh yeah, Pino Donaggio, the goat. <laughs> this score was not good. 
Uh, I'm gonna say that right now. Wrong. Um, no, actually, I, I I enjoy the score, but let's talk about one place where the score failed, and uh, to me at least. And uh, we were gonna talk about this at some point. Uh, the sex scene, the uh, the oh, six no, seven no. minute long sex scene <laughs> no, that occurs. That the score, the is, score is the worst. And I quote, "The worst." Quote me on this. <laughs> the worst. You quote you are <laughs> <laughs> the worst music during a sexual scene that I have ever witnessed in my entire life. Here's why. This intense makeout, they're grabbing each other, they're rolling around in the bed, alright? It's getting intense. There's quick cuts of them getting dressed after. You know this was this was a good time for both of them. And in the in the background here. Do, 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 like this elevator music. There is elevator music while these two are having sex. This is terrible. This this, this oh is not God. good this is scoring. Just, no, this is no. not. Are you kidding? Are you kidding me? Okay, I wanna... okay t- listen to me. Okay, listen to me. Okay, this part of the part of what's so amazing about this movie is. Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie's relationship. These aren't people who like just got married. These aren't people who are like in like a new passion. These are people who have, who know each other like the back of their yes, hand. Yes, you're right. They're dealing with grief together. I they, agree. They're very like like my favorite like right before the sex scene. They're both in, like they're both naked in the bathroom. Like Donald Sutherland is like I don't know like looking in the mirror like showering. Not showering. Sorry, he's brushing his teeth. Yeah, he's maybe. talking about his body, right, or something. Like and that. Julie Christie's like sitting in the bathtub, and. That kind of tenderness is exactly what's portrayed in that sex scene, especially like with the cross cuts to after afterwards when they're I, I like agree. slowly putting on their clothes. Um, I agree with all of what you and just said. they're like arm in arm. Like this isn't this isn't supposed to be an intense sex scene where they're like rolling around like in this like fireball of passion. No, this no, is supposed I to be agree. A, like this is supposed to be an, an incredibly like tender scene like where like these people know each other very well and they're passionate in like this mellowed out way and the score is in my opinion like perfect for that i I think this is i legitimately think this is not only one of the most striking sex scenes in cinema i think this is probably my favorite i will agree that it was done very well the edits were amazing that you could tell the relationship they had the The music music was not good i after this is over after this episode is over i wish i could pull it up right now uh maybe there's some copyright issues there but either way i i'm gonna re i want to i want you to re-listen to it with me zach if you pulled up the sex scene right now and watched it what number viewing of the sex scene would that be for you? <laughs> Probably the third. I, I did watch it. The uh, I did watch it this morning. Um, I, I wanted to, to wake I, up. No, <laughs> to, you know, I'm telling nice you. Wake I'm up telling routine, you. This the music to some in great the background music in the morning. Um, you know what? I'm gonna pull it up. You know we can do it. There's there's fair use. I'm gonna pull it up and we're gonna listen to it. Um, but while while before we get to that though, while I find it real quick, let's talk. Stay tuned. Let's let's talk. Right, Caleb, I want your opinion. What's yeah, okay. Opinion? Oh, but I'm opinion? having so much fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is. Wait, what fun. did you? What like I think it's you know it's like it's a lyrical score. I, I think it, it just is. It like is very. Are you tender. asking me if I like the score overall? Because I yeah, did. I guess, like, what, I what did. were you expect? Like, what were you expecting? <laughs> I from did. That no, scene? I like the score overall. Overall. Yeah, that's a good quote. What What were you expecting? I, it was not. It we just said, didn't like, like, epic like, music. I, no, I, guess, like, I, I don't, don't want battle like, music. I don't feel like that. There's elevator no, no. Music. It's very okay. I'm gonna pull it up right now. And I want you to like. What do you it, mean? I've been listening to this score all week. I've been listening to the score all I'm week. I'm telling you, it's an amazing the, the, score, the, and the, like it's perfect. During this scene, all right, we're pulling it up right now. 
It I love how it's, practically... it's auto playing from the middle, first of all. <laughs> Let's see if we can get it. No! <laughs> it's like elevator music. No. <laughs> Come on. No. This is what you would hear in your dentist's office before you go in. <laughs> what to dentist sit are you down. going to? <laughs> you know, I mean, come on. No. I, I just... No. There's many things to knock this movie on, but the sex scene is not one of them. No, no. I, 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 I disagree. I think the score during the sex scene... Otherwise, it is done very well. I do like the score. I just think that that scene in particular, the little dings and bells in the background, it sounds like I'm <laughs> sitting on an elevator waiting to get to the 10th floor. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> no. Otherwise, it was acted very well. The relationship felt real in that sense. Actually, I'll be 100% honest, I hated the acting. But the acting in that <gasps> scene was very well. Um, Oof. Did you think they were acting in that scene? <laughs> <laughs> well, we were just talking about before. I, I guess I don't. I guess people thought. I, I wouldn't have thought it. I mean, like I didn't assume it was real. But I guess it's. We were That's just talking about. That's because it's so tender. It is very tender. It is very tender. So well. Um, but they both had to say. I don't know why. I guess there was not a scandal, but people were like, "Oh, was this real?" Speculation. Yeah, and they were like, "No, it wasn't real." Um, so yeah, there you go. But I do know we were talking about the, the the sex scene was added in, and this doesn't really affect how I do think the sex scene is powerful. Uh, minus the score. And I will say, apparently it was added in after the movie was already completed. Uh, it was added in last minute because he felt that there was too much arguing between the two. Um, that he f- So he felt that there needed to be some sort of passionate scene. And even though I do think he, I, you're 100% correct, Eric, it's not passionate sex. It's it's like this. It's, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like this. <laughs> it's like this. This kind of you know mature. They've been <laughs> they've been together for a long time. You know, like it it, it felt oh real and it gosh. fit the moment. It fit the moment. You know what else? Uh, not, the <laughs> not the score. The I'll score. tell you. That. All right. Enough about the sex scene. Um, well, and... officially, I won't comment on oh. the score in this scene because I liked your guys' back and forth so much, and I just want to <laughs> I just want to leave it at that. Um, I do want to talk more seriously about, um, and I was serious about all that. I want to talk about the character depth in this movie. Um, at the end of the day, I feel as this movie. And I don't say this a lot, considering some of the movies I like. Um, I I I did not think that this movie did did enough justice for its characters. Um, I felt like this was a very very character driven movie. I felt like the plot on paper um, was a very simple plot: two people dealing with grief. Um, you know, minus the whatever the hell the ending is. Um, but I I, I think. On its on its landscape, on its uh, looking at it, you know, from from a simple perspective, it's about dealing with grief. Um, and the the cuts, the edits are amazingly done, and they make the film that much more enjoyable. I'm gonna talk about this later. I think uh, when I give, I guess when I give my final review, we'll talk about it. I think they it, the the editing is done in such a masterful way, the directing is done in such a masterful way that it makes you waiting for this almost like this jump scare that never comes and I think it's beautiful and I think it's it's, it's this way of like expressing horror in a way that isn't, in my opinion, 
that I that I, I didn't realize I liked because I'm not a big fan of the modern horror movie that I probably don't give enough justice to because I'm used to more like slasher films and not really like probably true horror. But I do not think enough justice was given to the characters in in an otherwise an otherwise subpar uh, script. And I think that uh, overall, I think the lack of depth for both characters sh- uh, shine through to the end. I feel like they're very one-dimensional. I feel like who they are is very one-dimensional. Um, I feel like uh, Julie Christie's character represents just this 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 woman who can't get over uh, her child, and she's given this. I, I feel like she's she's portrayed as almost like this, not not like silly like woman but i i just think she's very one-dimensional i think um i don't think the acting is terrible but i feel like if i went through and watched uh other julie christie or donald sutherland movies this would not be my favorite um i just think it's it's good i think they do enough so you gotta watch the given uh, yeah the Hunger Hunger Game, part one. i think they do well considering what they were given and i think I think this is what I'm. This is just what, what I think, and I'm, I'm interested to hear what you say. I just don't think the depth was there. I think in a movie that is supposed to be about grief, about these characters, I just think that it is not there. I think I'm missing something. No. I think the characters just are not fleshed no. out enough. <laughs> okay, okay, I, okay, okay. Let me get. Okay, I think like the genius part of Don't Look Now is the editing and yes. how the editing reflects the depth of the characters this is like donald sutherland isn't some like stand post for like oh like the like the mystics must be false like it's the way that the film constantly edits to the um the daughter being risen out of the water to represent him seeing his daughter and reliving that trauma through seeing the murders and how that reflects his like paranoia for his wife it's how he like he is on one hand staunchly against like the magic and the psychic powers of these women that like Julie Christie is like becoming more and more like connected to while having this sight himself and seeing for example a premonition of his death in the movie it's also connected to him seeing this little red this little red character who at the beginning we think is it's like just... a, like a vision <laughs> but like it's it's this constant like almost stream of consciousness Reminder this visual of this, stream yeah. of consciousness of him grappling with like whether or not he can believe like his wife what he feels about his own safety like himself dealing with his own grief and seeing like his grief reflected in these homicides i think that it's like in terms of like it depicts his like almost stream of consciousness like battle with grief in like a very very visual and very formal way that i don't think i've ever seen before and is i think the crux of the movie i think the characters and how they're dealing with grief is the crux of the movie and the main plot is ultimately what hinders it i i will i mean i agree with some of what you said i i do agree that um you know these premonitions, um, this 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 seeing things. I do think it, it speaks to him his dealing with grief. And I think there is a lot to be said in terms of um, the movie is about how these characters are processing grief. But I still feel like they're very one dimensional. And what I mean by that is I feel like they they are constantly throughout the movie representing these kind of two different ideas of dealing with grief. Um, this idea of. Uh, um, Julie Christie's character trying to find a way to kind of get around it, like trying to find a way to 
uh, like, oh, there's got to be another answer. There's still a way I could be connected. There's still there's still something there. And his his idea of like, no, it's she's dead. Christy's dead. Or um, no, what's the, the daughter's name? Christine. Um, Christine is dead. Like it's time to move on. Uh, things like that. And I do agree that there they, it becomes a little bit more complex. There are very clear examples where he is dealing with. Uh, he's dealing with grief, seeing the murders, like you said, the, the the cutting. Like I said, I think I think the editing saves this movie because the editing allows the movie to prosper where the where the script and where the characters cannot. Because I think the editing saves them. Because I think editing having those moments where he's you know like thinking about his daughter and stuff like that and and reliving the experience. I don't think that's uh. Uh, I don't. I don't attribute that to the character. I honestly attribute that to like the post, the editing, because I yeah, feel but that like is the like the, the editing informs the character. Like yeah, the editing. You're right. You're right. Like yeah, I throughout see... the entire movie, the editing like complicates the like the duality that they represent. But like the dialogue between the two is is weak at best. I don't know. And about that. and <laughs> and uh, what, what can you name? What's what's some memorable moments? Like some dialogue between the two characters that like is very memorable to you. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I like. And I, I'm, like, I'm putting you on the spot. That's not fair. I, I do know that. Uh, I do think it is hard to be put on the spot. I don't know. I, I felt as though the conversations about grief or the conversations they were attempting to have were 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 so one dimensional. It was his, you know, oh Christine's dead or Christine's dead. You're wrong, and then. You know this whole idea of him having uh, psychic powers, which you know the the woman says and is kind of backed up, but just seems to be out there. And then the ending. Uh, it at the end of the day, I didn't expect to be the one defending this movie. I'm just yeah. gonna, I did not come into this movie expecting to be defending it. What I, is happening? <laughs> I I struggled with this movie so much, and I. What's interesting is, it, it, to me, there was it was just such slow-paced movies. And trust me, I'm a sucker for slow-paced movies. But let me just say, w- with the lack of depth, the characters, the, the dialogue being what it was, I thought the pacing was so slow. No, I was this is not inc- a slow-paced movie <laughs> I'm not even messing with Eric right now. Like, I wish I was. I really don't think he expected me to come in like this. Um... I really need to say also another thing. <laughs> Whoever sound edited this movie needs to be fired. This is what I'm saying by this. Do you know the rope scene? Do you know the scene in the church where he's hanging by the rope? Oh my god. I could sound edit better than that man who did that. Let me say this. I rewatched that scene this morning. You just hear like clutter falling everywhere. He's yelling and you just can't hear anything because there's so much... Shit falling to the ground and people screaming. You, there's nothing. It, it sounds like someone just turned up the volume on the on the post effects of editing in stuff that it, it, it the, the, and it's throughout the movie. There's sometimes where I feel like it works. There's like the sounds where there's like you. I think there's an example where you see the 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 person. <laughs> or whatever um, in the in the red coats uh, walking around and you hear like the the steps a little bit louder and I and I'm not like that but some of the instances there, things are just too loud man like I never I've never had an issue with sound editing before not with Christopher Nolan <laughs> I don't um maybe I need to <laughs> I don't <laughs> but holy crap man I gotta say I um. I just realized I'm like talking way too loud into this mic, but I think maybe I'm going to be the one with the bad sound editing after. I don't know. There, There's just so many small things. I think with things. the sound editing, I don't know if it's necessarily their fault because all European movies from the era, whether it's like 
Jalo or like I don't know, just like from like the sixties and early seventies, like they all sound like that. I don't I don't really? know if that's necessarily their fault. Yeah, and I will give a break. It was seventy three. Um, you know, technology probably was not uh, up to today's standards in the seventies. Uh, what fifty years ago? Oh my God, almost fifty years ago. That's crazy. Um, but uh, <laughs> sorry, little that's just a little thing for me. It's, um, it's forty seven uh, years, Zach. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. <laughs> Quick math there. Um, trip, trip. Yeah, that. Uh, look, I I'm gonna let Eric and Caleb have a little bit more of a stage because I've been talking a lot here. The movie just <laughs> lacks a lot, man. And at the end of the day, I I liked it. I, 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 I enjoyed it. I I, I enjoyed it enough. Uh, I enjoyed it enough. The editing, the I, I was stuck in there enough that I didn't hate the movie, I, even though I've just been <laughs> totally <laughs> burning it for the last like twenty minutes. Um, it just didn't work for me. Um, and I'll, I, I digress. I'll save the rest for my review. Um, Eric, why don't you? Oh, I'm give embarrassed now because I've just defended <laughs> the only parts of the like the main parts of the movie I like, and now what's left is the parts oh, I no, didn't okay, like. You're right. Before we talk about it, let's talk about the ending. <laughs> let's talk about this ending. Eric, I'm going to let you start. Um, um, tell me about the ending. Like like going to de- like what happened? Uh, you can do that, there, but like, tell, there, tell me what you think about it. There's also a duality to the ending because there's something about the ending that I love and there's also, I hate most of it. What do you like and hate about the ending? Um, The ending. So it, at the end, spoiler alert, if you hadn't already guessed, um, uh, John is following this um, red-coated figure. Um, who he suspects to be um, not... He doesn't expect it to be Christi- his daughter, Christine, but he expects it to be some sort of, like, corollary, some other, like, little, like, lost child. Yeah. Um, that he, like... He's trying he, to save. Yeah, that he, like, almost rejects on her. And it turns out that in one of the, like, cheapest endings ever, that this child is actually, um, like, a small person who it, who, like... It's implied that they were responsible for the homicides, right? Yeah, that they're the serial killer. And they um, stabbed Donald Sutherland, and the ending of the movie, at the end of the movie, he, like, bleeds out. Um, it it really doesn't do it for me. It's such a cop-out of an ending that doesn't grapple with anything that the movie's been dealing with for me. Um, but I, agree. I do really like Donald Sutherland's death scene. It's just, like, going back to what I love about, like, the extreme subjectivity of this movie and just the like stream of consciousness that occurs that like flows out of him as he's dying. Um, but, um, I, I suspect it's, I don't know. I don't know if even know if it's controversial, at least between us, because I'm pretty sure we all didn't like it. I don't even know if it's controversial in the general, like reputation of the movie that the ending isn't very like well received It's at least at the very least. I, I just said this, it's definitely controversial, but yeah. Um, Unfortunate ending. Caleb? Man, I, I don't want to say anything. Uh, <laughs> Eric and I have been at war for this entire time. I, I have been loving so passionately and so maturely <laughs> this lively debate between you two. It's the first time it's ever happened. Um, yeah, I, I, I've, I've, I've just been having a great time. Uh, I, I, will, I will go back in and address briefly a few... Uh, ideas that are, that I picked up uh, during your uh, speeches. <laughs> um, so with the depth of the characters, I think there's 
a little more per, for me <laughs> than, than Zach, how, how you feel. And I think it's important to recognize that though this is a movie about you know losing a child and the grief that comes with that, not every moment, in fact, many moments are spent not uh, focused on that. And I guess the, the sex scene is, is the big... Uh, the big example there, but it's not these two people who are constantly, you know, focused solely on the past and reflecting on that. And if it were that, then I think the the accusation uh, that they're one dimensional would hold a lot of weight. But because they they are forward thinking, because they are present thinking, because uh, you know they enjoy dinners with each other and. You know, because John is, you know, doing his work, uh, restoring the church, uh, because, you know, they still care about their, their other child and because they're just not always on the subject of Christine. I think that in itself lends them some depth. Uh, as far as uh, depth, uh, as far as character and editing, I tend to agree with Eric here that I think the 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 editing informs the character and yeah the the dialogue is not stupendous sure but uh, I don't think it's fair to say that the I don't think it's fair to only judge the quality of the characters based on dialogue and performance because I do think the editing is not only integral to the story uh, to to the film as a whole but also to the characters as they exist. And briefly on on the sound issues, I, I think that's probably just a product of the times. That's what I attributed it to. Yeah, and it was it was obvious on several occasions that um, dialogue was was re-recorded and, and added in post, which you know you don't love to see it, but <laughs> um, it, yeah, it's, it's it's something that you're gonna get more and more of the further and further back you go in. Cinematic history. As for the ending, it sucked. That's it. <laughs> uh, you know, it, like Eric said, total total cop-out really put a huge damper on the movie for me. Affected my rating, <laughs> undoubtedly. And it just makes you feel like you kind of wasted the last couple hours. What was? What were we building up for? What, what is the point of this? Why does this culmination matter what does what does it do for us i can't answer any of those questions positively yeah i i mean i i'm not a big fan of spending a lot of time thinking of endings that would make the movie better but for this movie i just just did not i i get the whole murder thing that's happening and and i I understand the role it plays in him kind of his, his grief um coming up again i just I think it. I think it just the 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 ending just pulls out any amount I cared left out of the film. Like I, I just like I, I at the I would have I would have liked the film more. I would have like accepted a lot more things if I felt there was just this justifying ending. Like things like not that there was justice, but that 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 things were. Re- Maybe even resolved is the even wrong cohesive. world. Yeah, I just something, something in my head. I even thought, and this is even dumb. Like this was just like a one-off. I was like, oh, like maybe he tries, maybe he drowns doing. I, I, I don't know, but just 
I, it doesn't need to be a happy ending. He doesn't need to live and 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 you know live a happy life having accepted his uh, you know accepted his uh, you know grief. I just think it was like a, a shock kind of for a movie that does so well with making you feel uncomfortable. I'm, I'm gonna give the movie a lot of credit for this. It makes you feel so uncomfortable for a long period of time without having any jump scares. It's it's purely the 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 way it's filmed. It's purely the editing. It's purely just the atmosphere. You, you the, the scenes where they're walking through Venice at night and it's just kind of this dark, this 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 almost a silence. This like I'm uncomfortable. I'm sitting there like, oh my gosh, you know what's what's gonna happen? And for the ending to be that, it feels like it just goes against everything the movie had laid down until the end. And I, I don't even want to talk about the substance. I just want to talk about the, 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 the fact that it completely defied what I thought the movie stood for going up until that point. So uh, that's all I think there is to say in my point of view about the ending. Um, if a good ending would have probably been a nice bow tie on an otherwise, you know, poorly packed gift... Um, I, I like, <laughs> my what I'm God. saying is, is, is it would have, it would have given me something more. That's all I'm saying. It would have given me something more. I would have felt more complete about the story. I would have been more understanding, but because of the ending was a big, just like stinker. I, it made <laughs> me, um, it made me just, um, yeah, that's, that's about all I can say. Um, so before we wrap up, is there any other kind of final thoughts before we give our ratings? Eric, do you have anything? Ooh, um, I hated everything with the psychic sisters. I thought all of that was really obnoxious. <laughs> I thought it really did not work. Can we talk about the scene where she's um, going through this? You're so like, sad, <laughs> but you don't need to be. <laughs> the scene where she was like having the, um, the the seance or whatever, or whatever it's called, and she was like, like moaning. <laughs> I was deeply uncomfortable. I was like, what is happening? It really like ruins it. I, not, it doesn't ruin it. It really like, it really, it, I guess it does. It really like, ruins the sort of like quiet like more quietly sad like drifty sort of tender atmosphere that the movie's been creating I agree. in this like lush like lush 60s 70s european director sort of sort of style um 100 agree yeah that's like my main like complaint with the film it's not like there's not much more to it it's just that <laughs> pretty big part though i guess all right. Well, I guess I'll give my final rating. Um, I agree. There are some parts of this film that I really, really enjoy. One of my favorite parts of this film, and one one part that I think is acted superbly well. Um, superbly? Is that a word? Superb well? Superbly well? Yes. Okay. Um, is the phone call that happens between uh, uh, Donald Sutherland's character and... Uh, Julie Christie's character when she has arrived back in England and he doesn't know where she is. He thinks she he saw her uh, on the boat with the women and he he's called the police. He's at the church. He's freaking out. This paranoia. I feel the paranoia. It's great. Like it it, it makes me feel something uh, during that time. And that phone call I think has acted very well. This 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 the way he even just the way he talks to her and the the worry that carries within his voice. Amazing, uh, superb is all I can say. Uh, there were some good moments in this film. That's that's what I hesitated with. There were some very solid moments. There were times where this, like what Eric said, where it was kind of more of this silent kind of this more just like I don't even know the way I can put it, but it, it was just it was a quieter kind of a, a, a this more 
having to deal with this grief, this this uncertainty, this and even like a little bit of this like paranoia. And that was good. I loved it. But the rest of the film, I hated it. I, I, I just didn't like it. I, I felt like the characters were 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 used and uh, they were not given enough substance to really develop any sort of real depth that I could connect with on an individual level. Um, I felt like the score was solid except for the sex scene, which to me uh, didn't really hinder me that much. I thought it was just a funny thing to add. Um, I, I, I think that the sound editing, you know, I, I do think... I can't fault them too much for it, but it, it was bad in some places, very noticeable. I love the editing. Editing, very, very well done. Saved the movie from being very low for me. Overall, not my movie. Um, just not my movie. And because of that, two and a half stars. Ooh. Yeah, on paper, this should be, like, my favorite movie ever, but it, it really it really isn't. Um, I do find that, like, this is my second time watching this movie. This is a movie that really, really lingers with you. Um, uh, I think there's really, like, I really think there's, like, nothing else like it. Um, there's nothing else. No one makes movies, like, quite like Nicholas Rogue. Um, I love, I love the sex scene. I love the opening. I think it's iconic. I, I think it's, like, Right and like rightfully so, um, I I absolutely just love what Rogue manages to achieve with his editing. I think I wish more people did. I wish more people edited like that. Quite frankly, agreed. Um, but yeah, I just like the core the core storyline of the movie just really doesn't do it for me. Um, just the sisters, the whole like. The whole, um, I'm fine with, I'm, I'm, I like the premonitions, just the whole, like, God, just the whole, like, the whole, like, premise of it, and with, like, with the, with the psychic sisters, and, like, the ending, like, it really, it really ruins it for me from being something that I, like, would wholeheartedly embrace, and I am giving it three and a half. The supernatural turns me off. Yeah, that's one of my biggest horror movie pet peeves. And I think the biggest reason for that, as evidenced here, is that a satisfying conclusion to a supernatural story is very, very hard to come by. Because resolutions to stories that start off not really making sense often don't make sense and then you look back and you question the whole product and that's what happened to me here that said i think it's a huge testament to as we've discussed the directing the editing the score all the way throughout that <laughs> i was invested uh and just thoroughly engaged uh, for the duration of the film until that <laughs> atrocious ending. Uh, I was excited that I didn't really know um, from a moment-to-moment -moment basis where the story was headed, what exactly was happening. 
not really on a supernatural level, but on a pure cinematic level. I think that's a it's a great thing when you're slightly confused and then the pieces start clicking into place. I think that's one of the joys of watching movies. Sadly, here the movie did not <laughs> click into place, but as for as long as I held the hope that it would, uh, I really enjoyed my viewing experience. But the ending kills it, and there's there's no way around that. So, for this you know technical masterpiece, beautifully shot in a beautiful place as well, which mm-hmm. we didn't really talk about, uh, I'll give. Don't look now. Three stars and a trip to Venice. Wow! So twice in an episode, I got the Ooh. lowest rating. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! Yeah, I don't know. It just—I think time had finally caught up with me. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was time. It was time for me to not like a movie, um, but still enjoy some parts of it. You know, plus I got to watch it with you guys, and and that is always a pleasure. Uh-huh. Friendship. You love to see it. <laughs> you do love to see it. And on that note. We are done. Thank you very much, and we will see you next time.